Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing managing cheatgrass on range and pasture. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Mitch Stevenson, who's a UNL range management specialist based at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Stevenson. It's good to be here, Aaron. Dr. Stevenson, you recently hosted a field day at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center where you demonstrated some of the research that you've been doing and also discussed management options available to producers for controlling cheatgrass on rangeland and pastures. Share with us more about the work that you've been doing and some of the things that you're learning. Yeah, so you know that we kind of hit a wet cycle over the last few years, especially with spring precipitation. Last year and this year, we've had a lot of spring precipitation. We were up out uh, two and a half to three inches in May for the, the annual precipitation that we got for 2019 above average. And so this really has an influence on cheatgrass seedlings and, and cheatgrass production. When we were out on this tour, some of those areas had cheatgrass that was, was up to your knee and producing quite a lot of seed. And so, yeah, it's really getting to be a problem in some areas. And, and it, it's really shown in these wet spring years. Um, and it can be uh, somewhat variable and dry and wet springs, but we see a lot of cheatgrass out there right now. And so uh, when I started here about four or five years ago, the one of the main questions was, what are we going to do about cheatgrass? And a lot of producers indicated that they've seen a steady increase over the years of cheatgrass coming in onto their onto certain areas of their rangelands. And so myself and, and Dr. Nevin Lawrence, who's our weed specialist here, uh, we started to, to put out trials with different herbicides. We've tried some different biocontrols. And then we're also looking at grazing of cheatgrass to really see if we can set that back as a, a tool to, to reduce the amount of uh, cheatgrass that goes to seed. Talk a little about some of the challenges this plant presents to us, just the way it's biologically put together and, and why it's such a competitor on native range and perennial pasture. Cheatgrass is a winter annual, so it begins its germination in the fall. Uh, so if we get some good fall moisture, we really see a flush of green take off uh, a lot of times in, in later October, early November. So it gets established, it utilizes that precipitation, and then it overwinters, and then it takes advantage of early, bring warm up and early spring precipitation really well. And, you know, cheatgrass puts all its energy into creating seed. And so if it can get a good year with a lot of seed, uh, it, it really is a high germinating species. And it, it can start out competing some of our native cool season perennial grasses. You know, over the last 100 years, our state climatologist has indicated that, that over across the state of Nebraska, that we've increased our winter precipitation by about an inch over what it was 100 years ago. And so if, if we continue to see an increase in early spring and winter precipitation, that really has a positive influence on the cheatgrass species. Now, our cool season grasses also utilize that precipitation. They also grow at the same time. But if we get a lot of cheatgrass in an area, it can overwhelm a system. And it starts to outcompete some of the native perennial vegetation. You know, what we're seeing in some areas where it's just really, really thick and some of the more fertile areas, especially where, where, like I said, it grows up to a two feet or more tall and puts on massive amounts of seed is that later in the growing season, that starts to lay down and fall over. And so it almost creates a smothering effect on some of the vegetation that's there where it can't get sunlight uh, and grow. And, and then on top of that, it creates this dense thatch layer 
which tends to, to be a microsite habitat for cheatgrass seed. So it's a continuing cycle where it creates the uh, microsite for it to grow. It kind of pushes out some of the native perennials and then keeps it going as an annual system. So if we think about it from the standpoint of an ecosystem, it essentially can move to where it crosses the threshold, where it goes from a perennial grass system and moves it over into an annual grass system where it's dominated by the annual grasses. And that makes it very hard to get back into a perennial system. So Mitch, if we're in scenarios where we've crossed the threshold, where we're maybe have a patch of ground that it's pretty much cheatgrass dominated, the presence of perennial plants is pretty negligible. Should we think about how we change our management on those sites? What can we do if we're in a scenario like that? Yeah, I really think that we kind of have to step back and, and look at it as for what it is. And, and instead of thinking of this as a perennial system and managing as a perennial system. So a lot of times we manage that with uh, moderate stocking rates and, and oftentimes rotational grazing works well and in allowing some of our warm and cool seasons deferment for part of the growing season in, in, in different years. And, and so that's really management for that perennial system and those perennial grasses to make sure they're strong. And so, you know, if, if there's an area that has predominantly annual grasses, we got to think that that needs to be managed separately than these perennial systems. So the annual grasses, you know, our goal should be to, to try to get out and utilize them as much as possible in the short window that they're available. And so oftentimes that's, that goes from late April to, um, to, to late May. We have about three weeks or a month there when, when cheatgrass is really palatable and uh, really can put on a fairly good amount of biomass in that time. And so, you know, it, it really is thinking about your pastures and thinking about fencing temporary fence or managing them to where you can really hit those high cheatgrass areas with grazing and, uh, and manage them as more an annual system than a perennial system, which may be uh, hitting them hard early and then maybe even coming back and hitting them again to really see if you can limit the amount of that uh, cheatgrass that goes to seed. But, uh, you know, if, if they've crossed that threshold for the foreseeable future, they're, they're, they're likely going to be a cheatgrass system. And so it's working that into your management that I think can help in, in help thinking about it a little bit differently, but also utilizing that as what it is. And that's, you know, I realize that that can be challenging, especially in some of these areas where cheatgrass isn't in a, in a complete block. You may have an acre out here in the middle of your pasture or an acre uh, or, you know, even smaller areas. And so, uh, but if you do have a large area and a single in a place that you can fence out and manage it separately than your perennial systems, I think that that can really help. And then you can really focus on managing those perennial systems nearby. So the perennial grasses are strong and able to compete with uh, the cheat grass. Mitch, as you look at the research you've done, and I know you've been involved with not only the project here at the University of Nebraska, but also in some of your prior educational experiences, where do you see opportunities for ranchers to manage this plant effectively? It's a tough one, and there seems to be few ways to really eradicate it. I think eradicating is probably not going to happen in many cases, but how do we manage as best we can the circumstances we have? You know, with some of the research, we're looking at different herbicides. I don't know if herbicides can, uh, options, they can be kind of expensive and, uh, you know, they may not 
be, we don't definitely don't have a silver bullet to this, but there are some herbicides that are relatively new that have been listed in rangelands that we're seeing that have some pretty promising results and some other research at Colorado State and other places have shown some of this, but they're showing that they, we might be able to get a two to three years of really pretty good control uh, on some of these cheatgrass areas. And so, you know, if you do have those small areas or areas that have kind of creeped in in a little disturbed area here, but it has pretty good perennial grass around it. I think that's going to be a good option in, in kind of limiting the spread of cheatgrass uh, moving out and giving it the best opportunity for, for some of our native species like western wheatgrass, for instance, to come in and, and, and hopefully revegetate that area and some of our other perennials. And so, you know, there, there are options with herbicide. You know, right now we're, I'm involved with some research with the, the USDA ARS out of Cheyenne and Fort Collins and a tremendous group of scientists down there that are looking at different challenges with cheatgrass as well. And, and, you know, what we're looking at, right, is how can we graze cheatgrass that's in areas that have both cheatgrass and native perennial grasses. And, and we're, we're trying to learn the selective pressure of cheatgrass uh, when, when cattle can select both of those species. Um, and, and so some of the things that we're learning is, is that it can vary by year uh, and, and that, that selection of cheatgrass may be a shorter window in some years and a longer windows in other years, but that we do definitely have that window. And so the goal in the long run would be to, to, to see if we can manage it with higher stocking density and turn cattle out at a precise window where they're going to really hit that cheatgrass and maybe not graze so much on the perennial cool seasons and then get off of it to allow those those perennial cool seasons to recover and so you know i i, I think it's it's definitely going to be uh be an art uh, to to thinking about this in terms of how we graze this and then the different situations that everybody has you know herbicide might be somewhat of an option grazing might be somewhat of an option we really you know all the bio controls and there's there's been uh i think some talk about biocontrols and, and there's a soil amendment bacteria that, that has seen promise in some areas. You know, we put out some trials with that and other places that we've talked to have put out trials here in our area. We haven't seen any control at all really in those in those trials we've put out. And so so I don't know if that's gonna be the best option in some of these situations. But I so I really think that that economically grazing is gonna be our, our number one option that we have. And again, that may not control it, uh, you know, because like you say, we're probably not going to eradicate it in a lot of places. But if we can kind of keep it in check and keep it into the places where it's at without it spreading too much, I think that that's going to be a huge help in maintaining our perennial grasslands. That does take a lot of skill and a lot of effort to kind of quarantine out those areas and make sure that they're not spreading out. Uh, And that comes with making sure our hay is clean comes with you know thinking about our moves of our cattle even because if we are out in an area that has a lot of cheatgrass and we move them to uh you know some of these other perennials if they're not our if they're if they're kind of set back a little bit or if there's disturbed areas there's potential to transfer some of those seeds and those cattle so you know again that's that's just another challenge that it presents that that makes it really hard to manage in our systems anything else you'd like to add mitch as we point towards wrapping this discussion up i think that about covered it Well, thanks for joining me today, Dr. Stevenson. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks, Aaron. For more information on management of cheatgrass, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, there's some resources there that discuss this topic. Also, if you'd like to contact Dr. Mitch Stevenson directly, he's based at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center at Scottsbluff, Nebraska.